Welcome to the Twin Cities Apologetics Podcast. Twin Cities Apologetics is a ministry which equips Christians with resources to help them strengthen and defend their faith. Hope you enjoy the show. I'm Jeremy Lin, here with Elisa Childers, uh, author of a new book uh, called Another Gospel. So, uh, Elisa, uh, do you want to introduce yourself and uh, where you're coming from and just what the reception has been of this book? Yeah, well, it's always great to be with you, Jeremy, like a fellow apologetics nerds, yeah. right? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, my name's Elisa, and I did not grow up in an environment where I was doing a lot of apologetics. Mm-hmm. So I grew up in a musical family, kind of more on the artistic side of things, but went through a bit of a crisis of faith as an adult. Uh, as the result of being in a, a class at a, a church that would eventually go on to become a progressive Christian church. And so that caused me to have a lot of doubts about what I believed. So I, I eventually wrote this book that you just mentioned that came out um, and basically just addressing the movement of progressive Christianity, but I'm kind of walking the reader through my story along the way. And so the reception has been uh, surprisingly good, actually. I, I've, I've received a lot of feedback from people saying things like, they, they had a younger person in their life that was kind of questioning things, and it really helped clarify or, you know, what Christianity is for them. And so that's been really exciting. And, um, yeah, it seems to, to be uh, resonating with a lot of people. So that, that's a very fulfilling feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I have read the book myself. And when I say read, I mean listen, because you actually narrate your own audiobook. Yes. Which I think is really cool. Yes, I love, well, I love audiobooks. Yeah. I love to listen to audiobooks. And so it was really important to me to get to be the voice for my own because yeah. I love when the authors read their own books. Mm-hmm. It just kind of, I don't know, it connects more, I think. Yeah, I'm curious, what is that process like? That seems like a lot of stuff to read. Is that in chunks or how does that, that happen? Yeah, so that was kind of a new experience for me. I didn't know how it was going to go either, mm-hmm. but it was just a very small setup. So I went to a studio in Nashville and I worked with one person, just a producer who sat in the other room and I sat in a vocal booth and we it took about three days we would read for about four hours every day and then it went into editing and they pieced it all together and yeah so it was it was kind of less um I I was kind of thinking well they can have me read it really slow or what and they didn't really they just said read it normal and however you want to and so it was it was really kind of fun it was like a really nice end cap to the whole experience because you spent all this time writing a book and then that was sort of like my final read through it was the first time I read the entire book out loud. And wow. so it was just, yeah, it was, it was kind of a sweet experience for all this work to come to fruition in that way. Yeah. And I'm sure the end results of it is there's that personal touch that's added when people listen to, Definitely. to that and what's in it. So yeah. yeah. And, and because I'm a singer, you know, I'm a musician, that's really my past. Mm-hmm. Um, I record in the book, the lyrics of a few different songs for various reasons. And so when I read the audio book, I got to sing those songs. So that was mm-hmm. kind of another little added perk of getting to read my own book. Yeah, that's really cool. All right, let's get into what we're going to talk about, which is basically your story and what you've discussed uh, in the book, but maybe we'll touch on some things in a little more detail than what you might go through in there. Um, So in your book, which uh, another gospel like people have to get, uh, it's a really awesome resource where you go into a personal story, but also incorporate certain apologetics uh, content within that as well. And it's a very well-integrated uh, resource you. that way. 
Uh, in the book, you describe being in a class that started, uh, you, you noticed started going in what you would find out is, is a progressive type of direction. Yes. Um, can you describe uh, what, what your process was like, what that experience was like going through that class and kind of understanding, oh, this is a direction that they're going in over yeah. time? Yeah, because yeah, at the time, I didn't know they were heading in that direction. Mm -hmm. we, my husband and I had been attending this church for about eight months. And then the pastor invited me to be a part of this sort of smaller type situation. He called it a study and discussion group and compared it to seminary. He said, if you go through this class for four years, you'll come out on the other side, basically having learned all the things you would have learned in seminary. Mm -hmm. So we would choose a book and read it, and then we would discuss. And so in the beginning, he did reveal in the first class that he was an agnostic. And, but he called himself a hopeful agnostic, so that kind of disarmed me a little bit. And, but it was confusing because I was thinking, okay, this, this is a pastor that has won my respect and my trust, and he's saying he's a hopeful agnostic. And I just thought, okay, well, I'm not going to judge it. You know, he's just being honest. Uh, but that was definitely a red flag. But then as we started reading through the first couple of books, it was very confusing because these books were essentially challenging everything that I'd ever believed about Christianity, about the Bible, and uh, just the history of Christianity. And so I was kind of concerned. And, and I mean, I was so naive. I thought, well, maybe he's trying to teach us how to spot discernment or something mm -hmm. like, or like how to spot deception and trying to teach mm -hmm. us discernment or something. So um, we would have these discussions in class, and it started to become really evident that other people in the class and the pastor ha were going in this very different direction than, than I was really wanting to go or willing to go. So I would try to debate with the pastor uh, while I was in the class, but it wasn't until later that I kind of went through my own time of doubt. But yeah, it was, it was really right off the bat that things kind of started heading that way. Hmm. Yeah. And did you make a choice where you said yeah, this is difficult and I don't really like it, but I'm just going to keep going with it. Like, did you yeah, make that decision? I did. Okay. Yeah, because I thought, well, I don't want to just quit because this is challenging me mm -hmm. or because it's hard, yeah. um, you know, because there, there was this sort of narrative going on in the class that, you know, these are out of the box thinkers. And mm -hmm. this is, this is, we want to make sure that we're really secure in what we believe. And I remember the pastor even telling me, don't worry, the gospel can stand up to scrutiny. Of course, at the time, I didn't realize that he was defining gospel differently than I was. He was actually kind of had already accepted a different gospel than mm -hmm. Christians have historically mm -hmm. believed. But, um, but yeah, so there's a lot of, just a lot of confusion like that. You know, you don't want to quit because you want what you believe to be able to withstand intellectual uh, opposition. Mm -hmm. And I wanted that. I, and so I didn't want to just, you know, take my ball and go home because they weren't saying what I liked. Yeah. Um, but there did come a point when it was just like, I, I mean, my, my faith was kind of like getting wrecked. And mm -hmm. so um, I, I lasted about four months in a class that should have lasted four years. Right. So in the course of that uh, four months, what would you say was the main intellectual struggle that you went through? Like, was it a specific topic or, like, a, maybe a class discussion one day? Like, what was Yeah, your... I think it had to do with the Bible mm -hmm. more than anything. Because all my life when I was younger, any dispute would have been settled by me saying, well, the Bible says this, so that settles it, you yeah. know. And so even, you know, we did some street evangelism when I was growing up. So I met atheists. I met people who didn't agree with me about Christianity or about the Bible. But I would always just say, well, the Holy Spirit just hasn't enlightened their heart to know these things yet or you know yeah. but i know they're wrong because the bible says this so when the pastor was able to effectively knock the legs out from under the bible mm -hmm. and make me question 
A, if I even had an accurate copy of the Bible, and B, if that copy actually told the truth about what happened in the first century and the truth about God and about Jesus, Mm -hmm. that's when my whole worldview started to deconstruct. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a common thing that, an idea that's out there more. I mean, you talk about in the book when Bart Ehrman uh, had his book, Misquoting Jesus. Yes. That, that really pushed it out into the culture Culture in terms of being a narrative. Yes. That people had the, Bi- the Bible being unreliable. Of right. course, it's something that uh, Muslims have been saying a long time, that the Bible's corrupted, you can't trust what it says. There's a lot of voices out there surrounding that topic. Uh, yeah. But again, in, in your book, you do a great job of talking about uh, the fact that people say, yeah, there's all these different copies and there's these apparent errors. But in a way, it actually shows uh, more the reliability of the Bible rather than saying it's just uh, garbage and you should throw it away. Yeah. So you could, could you get into that a little bit and, and what that's about? Yeah. So you're yeah you're right because one of the things I I couldn't figure out like where they were getting all this information and then I realized when when God was reconstructing my faith through apologetics and things like I went on a deep dive about biblical reliability because mm-hmm. that's really what it all came down to me for. I wanted to define Christianity Christianity correctly. I wanted to know basic apologetics about the existence of God. But regarding the Bible, like this was such a big deal for me because I needed to know that that this was actually God's word. Because if I can't rely on this, then I'm I, I'm going to just have to go do something else because I'm not just going to make up my own religion. I, this has to be true or it's false, but I need to know. Mm-hmm. And so I started with, uh, you know, a science that you're aware of and maybe your listeners are aware of called textual criticism just to even know if we have an accurate copy and when i was first uh asking these questions like i didn't know where to look for answers and so i remember taking a i I audited a class at southern evangelical seminary and a big a big section of the class was spent talking about this science of reconstructing ancient documents when we no longer have the originals and and then I, i ended up Uh, auditing or listening to the lectures from a class from Michael Kruger at Reformed Theological Seminary about the same subject. And I became satisfied really early on that we do have a reliable copy. And so then my question became, well, did, you know, did that tell the truth about Jesus? If I have the words of Jesus, if I, if I have an accurate uh, copy of what happened with Jesus, what he claimed and what happened, then, then I could at least, you know, even if the rest of the Bible is not reliable or something, mm-hmm. at least I can reconstruct some kind of a belief from there. Mm-hmm. And so what I discovered over the years of studying, I mean, this was years, is that not only is is the Bible reliable, but these attacks have been going on for centuries mm-hmm. against the Word of God. And and kind of like you mentioned, this, this these discussions about textual criticism and how the manuscripts were copied, these were discussions that were very well known by scholars, mm-hmm. even very conservative evangelical scholars. But it really wasn't until Bart Ehrman wrote that book mm-hmm. a, a, that really brought some of these arguments into the, the lay area of Christianity. And so it's like, then the conservative apologists had to say, yeah, some of these facts are right, but we don't really think you're interpreting the data right. So they had to play catch up a little bit to kind of inform the church about it and and so it's it's something that it takes a lot of work but I'm really glad that I have that confidence now because Mm -hmm. it it's it's such an important bedrock of our faith Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's really um cool to go through that process and gain more confidence uh in yeah the reliability of the bible that way I was curious um something I thought about when reading your book was sometimes I think like from say a skeptical standpoint, like what would a skeptic say, like mm-hmm. reading through this and, and thinking through the, the story. 
And one thing I thought of maybe as a question is, uh, like someone could question, like, oh, you're just listening to the top apologists saying the right. Bible is like, uh, for the most part, reliable, stuff like that. Can you just speak to the, you, you said you studied this for years. Can you just speak to that question yeah. of, oh, you're just doing the surface level. You're just listening to what people are saying, like right. speak to your process in terms of going in, in depth with this stuff? Yeah, and I'm, I appreciate you asking that question because that is our tendency as humans is almost, they call it confirmation bias. You mm -hmm. just look for somebody to tell you what you want to hear and then you just listen to them and you just repeat their talking points. And I wanted to be really careful not to do that because I'm such a truth person. I really wanted to know what was true. And I was prepared that if I discovered that this wasn't true, that the Bible is not reliable, that I can't base my life on this book, um, I don't think I thought far enough ahead about what I would do with that, but I did want to know. I wanted to know what the truth was. And so I made sure that I read Bart Ehrman. In fact, I subscribed to his blog and I read his book. And I, I kind of just thought, you know, there's, there's an approach to the resurrection that um, scholars use called the minimal facts, where you find the, the actual facts that all the, virtually all scholars agree on, from the most skeptical to the most conservative. So I kind of took that approach to biblical reliability, and I wanted to know, well, what does Bart Ehrman agree with Michael Kruger on, or Peter Williams on, regarding textual criticism? Or, you know, what do Dan Wallace and Bart Ehrman agree on? And so um, I, I discovered that, you know, really the actual facts are not in dispute. How many copies we have, how many differences there are between those copies, what are the general dating of the manuscripts that we have. So like, we have reliable information that virtually all scholars agree about regarding what those facts are, which was actually really a relief, you know, because I started, of course, with the more conservative scholars. I'm thinking, okay, now if I go into Bart Ehrman land, am I going to find a complete different set of data, mm -hmm. you know? And I was, so I was kind of relieved to discover that he agrees about the general facts regarding all of those things. It's mm -hmm. the interpretation of those facts right. that they might disagree on. And so I, I, I think I did due diligence to try to avoid just getting confirmation bias. And it was not comfortable, mm -hmm. but um, I'm glad I did it that way because then I can be aware of what uh, different you know, different arenas of scholarship are saying on certain things. And so, um, yeah, and I would just recommend people doing that. Consider all the sides. Don't just find the one person. Because if I want, I said this in my book, if I wanted to find a scholar to tell me that the Bible is the perfect word of God, like I can find one. But if I'm also looking for a scholar to tell me that it's just a jumbled mess of contradictions, <laughs> I can find that too. Mm -hmm. And I see people do that on both sides. I've had friends who I see them kind of losing their face, so they look for that Bart Ehrman to tell them what they want to hear yeah. so they can get out the door. We all have a tendency to do that. And so I would just encourage people to consider all the sides and really think it through well and, and with the goal of finding the truth. And I did that to the best of my ability. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's great. Uh, you do mention in your, in your book Bart Ehrman, and in the past debates, he basically uh, agreed to what a lot of apologists say in that no core Christian doctrine is affected yeah. by the errors that are present. Or at in least called into question. You know, there, yeah. you might find a variant that, that'll address something that has to do with the core doctrine, mm -hmm. but it's not like there's one verse that tells us Jesus was resurrected and oops, we just found out that's a variant, so we don't know if it's true. You know, that's all over the New Testament. It's in all the gospels. Even if you if you even if you tossed out all of the disputed you know, variations, you'd mm -hmm. still have the gospel. Yeah. And that's what was so key to me. So to, it, it seems to me that if somebody's going to toss out the gospel based on that, there might be something else going on. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and I mean that debate was a while back. I'm I would assume that his standpoint on that hasn't changed drastically. Yeah, but I, I don't. That's actually a good question. I don't yeah. know because he does. He has changed his positions on a few things over yeah. the years. Um, my my hunch is that he he would probably still maybe word it in a really precise mm-hmm. way to just say it's not that they're not affected, but it doesn't call into question any core Christian doctrine. Right. Yeah, and I think the the point, uh, for sake of using that as an example, is. Uh, one great way of kind of, of exploring truth and, and finding uh, what that is is finding points of agreement amongst, mm-hmm. in this case, scholars who are on different sides who seem to agree to like these core things. Yeah. Uh, and kind of you know, going to that and asking, okay, there's this thing that seems to be solid that a, a lot of people who are looking into this agree on. And of course, you can look at the facts yourself and come to your own conclusions. But that seems to be a sign that there's something going on there. Yeah. That is pointing in the truth. So it's like taking that, like where can we go from there? What can we cl- conclude from this thing? Yeah. I think it's a really great method. Uh, yeah. Of looking at that. Yeah. yeah, I think so too. So we can kind of apply that to different, different questions. Mm-hmm. You know, even regarding science or. Uh, other areas of scholarship, you can you can apply that where you're you're like I'm not going to shut myself off to what people say who disagree with me. I'm going to consider what they say, mm-hmm. but you know everybody's doing philosophy. Everybody's analyzing the data, yeah. and people you know they disagree on what some of these things mean. Mm-hmm. And uh, I th- I think we just need to think it through as best we can. Yeah. Okay, I wanted to shift to more of um, I'm going to share basically a personal experience and perhaps it's an experience that other people have too and definitely definitely relates relates to some of the things you went through in that class mm. and to see what you have to say just to that experience. So uh, what I thought of kind of coming into this in terms of what I, I go through sometimes is there are days when I have the feeling of, oh, there's a lot of people mm-hmm. who are saying like God doesn't exist for this and this reason. And there's that fear of like they could be right, and mm-hmm. they you know, and a lot of times they seem to you know have convincing things to say, and so I have like doubts those days, and it can be you know pretty severe. Mm-hmm. And then you know, the next day, maybe I don't <laughs> experience yeah. that same feeling. Yeah. So sometimes there can be that that back and forth yeah. uh, in terms of just just emotions and feelings behind yeah. something that you might experience as doubt. Yeah. So I was wondering, uh, just from your experience, just what you could speak into in terms yeah. of like that fluctuation that people might experience. Well, this is so interesting because I wonder if your typical internet atheist wakes up and has days <laughs> like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, because what that tells me about you is that you are a genuine truth seeker. Mm. You're not just blowing people off because they're speaking something that doesn't fit in your narrative, you're actually really deeply considering what they're saying. And you're saying, I can see why this is compelling. Mm-hmm. And it might even feel that way to me today, but then tomorrow I feel fine, yeah. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And I go through that too. I, I didn't before, mm-hmm. uh, but I do now. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll hear something and it's like, man, that's, you know, that's that that's a compelling thing to say. You know, I watched this video once that these atheists made about all the horrible things that happen in the world, but it was just this compilation of like natural disasters and mm-hmm. war and, and, you know, all this stuff. And then they're like, how could God be good? And you're like, wow. I mean, when you put it like mm-hmm. that, you know, yeah, it can yeah. be like, it can feel very big. But mm-hmm. I actually think that's probably a good place to be in because it shows me, it tells me that you really want to know the truth mm-hmm. and you're a truth seeker. And so uh, I think that um, 
I think that it's good that you say it because I think people listening probably feel the same way. Mm-hmm. You know, there's days we all wake up where I'm like, are we, are you crazy? Am I crazy? Are we all crazy? <laughs> is my pastor crazy? Right. Like, is this, we believe some crazy things, you mm-hmm. know? Um, but yeah, I do. I, I, if I've got to make hedge a bet, you know, I, mm-hmm. it just makes sense of reality better than anything else does. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I think that's probably a good thing for you to say. Yeah. Well, I feel complimented, so thanks for yeah. that. <laughs> um, so then switching to like what people's experience might be within the community at large. So like I talked about the personal experience. Now there's the community. So how do you think, especially with the experience you went through, how can people start to tell, hey, this community, community I'm in, it seems like progressive ideas are starting to yeah. seep in here and starting to affect what's going on. Like how might they be able to identify something like yes, that. Yes, that's an important question because progressive Christianity, it's not like progressive Christians walk into the average evangelical church and be like, hi, we're progressives. You should all be progressive. Mm-hmm. It's actually something that happens really slowly. It's like a very subtle shift toward things. And often people wake up one day and they're like, my church is progressive. I didn't see this coming. I don't know how this happened. Mm-hmm. So there are signs that we can look for. And the first sign I would say is to look for a kind of a lowered view of scripture. Anytime you might hear a pastor or somebody like a small group leader say something like, well, you know, I disagree with the Apostle Paul on this. Mm-hmm. or And anytime they're kind of removing biblical writers from the context of being inspired by God to write scripture, you, you would look for that. Uh, they kind of tend to refer to the Bible more like an ancient spiritual travel journal so we can know what people believed about God and the times and places they lived. But that's not necessarily God's word, or at least all of it. So that would be one sign. Another sign would be to look for um, when someone's personal preferences and conscience, they love the word personal conscience in the progressive church, when that's sort of elevated above biblical authority. So, you know, if, if the Bible says something kind of difficult, but my personal conscience, if that doesn't resonate with me, um, I might not agree with that. That would be another thing to look for. Um, also, maybe look for redefinition of terms. Uh, so they'll use some of the same language we use, like inspiration and even incarnation and some of these doctrines we have, but they mean very much different things by them. There's also a willingness to re um, to go back to maybe core issues of the faith, like the virgin birth and the resurrection, and maybe reevaluate if we still believe those things. Mm. Um, And then finally, I think another sign to look for would be, what's the heart of the gospel for this church? Do you hear a lot of preaching about the blood of Jesus and Mm -hmm. sin and repentance, or is that sort of put to the side in favor of something more along the lines of social justice? You know, because of course, as Christians, we want to do good works in the world, and Christians historically have done good works in the world. Um, but we know that that's a fruit of our salvation. That's the outpouring of our relationship with God. Whereas in the progressive church, the emphasis becomes almost solely on the works and mm-hmm. the in the social justice. Yeah, that reminds me of an experience I had for uh, a class that I had. I had to have kind of an out of comfort zone experience. Mm-hmm. So I went to a church that was on the progressive side for sure. And they had communion. So a lot of their uh, preparation for communion involved talking about social justice. Mm. And we have to have unity, which are like good things. It's good to have Mm -hmm. unity as the body of Christ. But there was no mention of Jesus and his sacrifice and what he's done. So it was just, yeah, different for me to go through that. And then it made me question, like, where is that? foundation of what what does this even mean in that yeah, context you yeah know? yeah that's yeah. that's that is one thing you'll see because they'll do some of the same sacraments you know like mm-hmm. they'll take communion um there was even a progressive church i read about that on ash wednesday they did 
uh, instead of ashes, they used, I, I don't know if it was glitter or whatever, but they called it stardust, mm. you know, and they, they did the ash on the forehead with yeah. glitter, you know, like yeah. stardust. And they had this mm. kind of totally different message mm -hmm. than, than what other Christians would probably mean by Ash Wednesday. But uh, yeah, so they'll use a lot of the same kind of practices and, but just reinterpret those things. Yeah. All right. Our last uh, thing to cover here is uh, people who find themselves in that position where their community seems to be in a progressive kind of direction and start hanging that way. What would you say in terms of steps they can take? And then also, if you can speak at the same time, maybe so to resources they might be able to have that yeah. will help them. I mean, your book, of course, is valuable yeah. as a resource that I let's get that out of the way. Yeah, like another gospel, get, my get book. that. Uh, but other resources maybe that you yeah. know that would help someone in that situation. Yeah, that's that's a tough thing. I would get Greg Kokel's book, Tactics, yeah. because that really helps you learn how to get your point across in, an, in just a really effective way where you're not going to necessarily put someone off with, you know, especially an uncomfortable kind of con conversation. So I would definitely recommend getting my book, get Greg Kokel's book. But, you know, I think each individual Christian just needs to pray about what God's called them to do in, in a specific situation. I have friends who stayed in progressive churches for a long time, trying to be the voice of reason, trying to you know meet with the pastors, trying to to help bring the ship back around. Um, and then I had others that weren't as mature, maybe in their faith. And uh, like like we with my faith the way it was when I was in this class, like we had to leave. I just I had to get out of that environment. But maybe more mature Christians might choose to stay a little longer. But I think it's just really important to say something. Uh, I think it's such a tendency, especially with the way progressive Christianity works, where it's it markets itself as being so inclusive and so loving and so non-judgmental. So when you come in to criticize it, that feels like the ultimate sin mm -hmm. to criticize because it sounds judgmental. But we still have to. We have to speak up. And we can do that in a winsome and uh, loving way, uh, even if it's not interpreted that way. But Call you know meet with your pastor share your concerns be loving be respectful about it uh, see if there's any openness I I've had people I, I knew a girl who joined a progressive Bible study that went over five weeks and she said she just every week pled with these other women like this isn't historic Christianity and she said they they all kind of came back around and they they realized it like wow I didn't realize that was so off so you never know it might be effective or it might not be but. Um, it, it's important to speak up and share your concerns, and and there's a way to do that. That's that you can be loving and persuasive. Yeah, I think that's some great advice. So thanks for joining me today, Alisa. Really appreciate you coming in. That was fun. It was good to see you again too. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> so people listening, get another gospel uh, on just a hard copy book or see listen to the fruits of Lisa's labor with voice <laughs> acting <laughs> yes and get the audiobook uh, that's really awesome to check out too so uh, yeah thanks and see you next time